Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Got a great show for you today. Before we get into it, a little sobering lesson. A few pilots uh, and I were down in the Ruby Mountains last week, about a week and a half ago, in Nevada, um, trying to do a a very cool bivy, and we're mostly successful. Uh, This was Hans Ervishmanik, a five-times exile pilot, and another local friend of mine, Willie Cannell, uh, who's doing the X-Pier, and then Ben and I, and a couple other friends of ours that were helping us drive, and uh, Ben and I were getting ready for the X-Pier. I'm supporting, I was going to be supporting him this time around. He's supported me in the last two X-Alps, and as a lot of you probably know already, uh, my other supporter, Bruce, uh, had a very uh, untimely accident, he should put it that way, uh, about a month ago. He's no longer with us. wasn't a paragliding uh, accident, but anyway, that's not part of this show. But uh, anyway, Team USA 1 is kind of in tatters right now uh, because Ben had an accident uh, when we were on that bivy trip and broke his back. Uh, no cord damage, he's going to be fine, but he and I discussed it just this morning and thought um, it'd probably be a good thing to share with you all because I get a lot of emails. Almost every day I get emails from listeners of the show that say that you know something they learned or heard about um, saved their life, and that's what this is all about is just spreading good knowledge. So don't want to start this one off on a dark, uh, bad note, but... Um, in a lot of ways, it was really good. I think he uh, he got super lucky, dodged a bullet, and um, he's going to be 100% fine. He's going to have a rough year, but I just wanted to talk about what happened in that accident because accidents are never one thing, and it's always, uh, you know, afterwards with 2020 hindsight, we can pick out a whole bunch of things that I think will help um, all of you maybe avoid similar fates uh, in your own flying career. So, uh, the first thing was Ben broke the rule, and we both, you know, acknowledged it going into it. He was flying a new harness and a new wing um, for, you know, in prep for the X-Pier. And part of that was just, it was conscious, you know. We knew that that was risky. You know, you should always just fly one bit of new gear first and then always fly it at your home site in pretty predictable conditions and kind of get used to it. We were far from that. We were in Nevada in the spring, and it was totally on. And so that was mistake number one for sure. Um, but he had been flying quite a bit this winter and was you know, feeling pretty tuned up and just felt like he really needed to jump on this gear and get used to it before the race, which is you know, a month away. So anyway, that was mistake number one. Mistake number two, the day before the accident, um, he'd had a really good first day, and then the second day, uh, we all launched, I think there was five of us in the air, and it was quite strong northwest, and Ben made a move that can only be described as pretty young. Um, it just was, you know, he was trying to keep up, he was, you know, thinking about flying with the gang. Um, I probably under-recognized, you know, how much pressure that puts somebody in, and anyway, got himself in a pretty hairy lee side situation uh, with a lot of wind, and you know in retrospect should have just dodged off the back while he had the height and gone out in the flats and he probably would have beat us all but uh top landed that all went fine landed in some snow he was landing backwards and uh did not get his wing down very fast or what i would say really correctly he you know he tugged really hard on both seas um which is a common way to do it but you know, go back to the episode uh, with Bell Belcourt where he answers a bunch of questions and I talk about there, when you're landing in a lot of wind, I think there's a much better way to do it. I won't get into that right now, but 
Anyway, kind of turned his wing into a parachute, and he got dragged into some rocks, and he was fine, um, but did quite a bit of damage to the harness and a little bit of damage to the wing, and then walked down 4,000 feet off the top of this mountain. And then that night, when we all got back together, put all the gear back together, and it was no problem, and uh, it was fine, and Speedy Stitcher and a bunch of line replacements and stuff and repairs, and he was good to go. Um, again, in 2020 hindsight, what I failed to do is really check in with why he'd made that move and we talked about it briefly but we didn't really properly have a a debrief and we kind of laughed about it and he said oh you know uh, i was just flying i was doing what you do man i was flying deep and that wasn't deep that was just kind of bad decision making and it would have been good for me to really check in with him and be like hey man why did you do that and uh you know it wasn't safe it was putting yourself in a lot of unnecessary risk and uh there was just really no reason to be there so fast forward to the next day and on the way up to launch we were in a totally different zone now another place that none of us had flown at the south end of the diamonds and uh clearly it was going to be a very on very good day uh, proven a little bit later by cody and willie went a long ways flew all, all the way to the diamonds and crossed to the rubies and did really well because they didn't know the accident had happened and um i failed to really check in with ben you know i'm kind of his mentor and probably should have seen more of the signs and kind of had this internal discussion going on in my mind like you know god i should find out why he did that yesterday i should find out where his headspace is today maybe this would be a good day to just drink beer and and chase in the truck but i didn't want to put any negative thoughts in his head and and i you know i know he's getting really excited about the race and he really wanted to train and got a really good day i think you know he would have said yeah man i'm fine i want to go but i maybe would have recognized that he was probably a little bit nervous than he was either used to or I guess what I'm saying is you know never underestimate the the amount of pressure that you can put yourself in when you're either with really good pilots or in a totally new place or with totally new gear so you can see these things are starting to add up anyway just by complete dumb luck I launched first and bombed out and then uh, Cody and Willie launched, and they struggled to get out, but eventually did. Then Hansa launched, and he also bombed out, and then kind of re- kind of slope landed and relaunched. Didn't work again, kind of slope landed again. Couldn't really see him. Uh, we were just in this very kind of shallow draw canyon, and uh, you know it was middle of the day. It was definitely on, but it wasn't crazy. And then I saw Ben blow a couple launches, and then get off the hill, and. Uh, kind of missed a thermal and grabbed something but anyway wasn't able to dig out and for whatever reason went over by where Hansa was decided not to top land there flew kind of out this draw later found out he was just you know trying to get up just you know milking it and trying to get a low save and I'm gonna only guess here but I think two things contributed to what happened one was you know it was kind of swirly and even though he was flying down out of this canyon and the, definitely the, the air was going up the canyon, as you would expect, um, it was kind of swirly. And I imagine just as he was getting kind of close to the ground, he was probably on the backside of a thermal and was watching his ground speed and saw that he was speeding up. And then inevitably, you know, I'm sure what happened is the day before with him damaging his brand new gear to go to the race, he was probably thinking, I'm going to stick this landing and I'm not going to go into the other. It was just sage everywhere except these two little tiny fields where cows had mowed it down and there was kind of a water tank and a fence. So there were some obstructions that was probably on his mind. And I had just landed in one of those, which he'd seen. And so, you know, he got a big burp of air before he got to those and was going to overfly them. And... 
Anyway, very low to the ground, like 30 feet off the deck, uh, made a really dramatic, like 180 degree turn to land up the hill. And, you know, because he's on this new wing, didn't know the stall point, hadn't done any SAV on it, spun his glider. By the time he spun it, he was, you know, 20 feet off the deck. There was nothing he could do, and it kind of pendulumed him into the hill and hit pretty hard. I was sprinting before he even hit the ground, knowing that this was not going to be a good situation. So... Um, the major lesson there, other than all the ones I've already mentioned, is you know when you're on final, even if it's downwind, don't change anything. If you're really low to the ground, that's not a time to make a real rapid, like a real quick decision, like, oh my God, this isn't going to work out. If Ben had just kept flying straight, it was, like I said, a really shallow draw. He had a mile in front of him, and he would have landed in the sage. Uh, very unlikely done any damage to his glider, but certainly wouldn't have done any damage to him either. It just would have taken us some time to get it out of there. And I'm sure he was just thinking, like, I got to land, pack up my stuff, and get back up with Gavin and go flying. So um, a series of, you know, preventable mistakes there uh, for sure. So just wanted to pass that along. I think these are, you know, these are all little things, but of course they can add up and do a lot of damage. Um, as I said, he kind of destroyed T8, T9, uh, mostly T9, and uh, totally stable. He'll have 100% recovery. The surgery went great, thank goodness. Um, like I said, I think we dodged a bullet. I think the pressure of the X-Pier was, I think it, he was pretty new pilot to be taking something like that on. Just really wanted to have something to train for and shoot for, and we'd had so much fun in the X-Alps that, you know, it was, it was pretty easy to sink your teeth into something like that, but just another one of these things like take it slow take your time make sure you've got all the kind of ground steps and all the base stuff that you need all the foundation that you need um finally this is more critique of of me and you know i was first on scene uh and then we had hansa and a good buddy of mine uh, uh charlie that were there you know minutes afterwards um luckily we all had in reaches uh which i can't you know we can't even do a projects like this with spots so yet another push to get, make sure you're flying within reaches so you've got that two-way texting but we also had cell we weren't too far from eureka so we got 911 on right away um we also had the in reaches to talk to the other people that were around us um the other ems folks and the sheriff and when cell because cell was pretty patchy so um, all in all, it took him about two hours to get a helicopter in there and get him airlifted out to Salt Lake, which is excruciatingly long time uh, when your when your buddy's on the ground and in a lot of pain. He also had a dislocated left shoulder, which was quite a bit of pain. So, I mean, the first thing we did was we tried to just get him way more comfortable, cut all his clothes off, cut his harness off, get him covered in the shade. Um, you know, make sure his spine was, was stable before we moved him at all. We knew it was broken, but so we were very careful about moving him into a more comfortable position. Um, but then a major screw-up was that none of us had real drugs. I had grabbed the wrong first aid kit, uh, had my first aid kit, but I would forgot to transfer the pills over from my backcountry kit to my bivy kit. So all I had was like heavy dose Advil, um, which was just brutal. You know, knowing he had he didn't have any head injuries uh, and with my wilderness response training, he definitely could have, you know, I could have given him much better drugs to make him a lot more comfortable for those two hours. When the helicopter arrived, that was the first thing he did. But one thing I wasn't aware of is that, you know, EMS services came in by truck from Eureka relatively quickly. They were there in an hour. And in Nevada, they're not allowed to carry any drugs. So go back and listen to that podcast with Matt Wilkes and stock up your first aid kit. 
Um, the other thing is just communications. We found out after this whole thing was done that Willie had a pretty proper first aid kit in his truck, which was sitting right with us, and we didn't know that. So there were really good drugs in there. So a little bit of failure communication on our part, um, and then everybody, you know, Hansa, myself, Charlie, we all should be carrying, you know, decent painkillers to help people out on that. So. I'm not a doctor. Like I said, go back and listen to that Matt Wilkes podcast. There are scenarios where you don't want to give narcotics to somebody, but um, if it's not a, a head injury, uh, it really helps. The other thing I didn't do was because mostly because he was, you know, stable and talking and you know not freaking out the whole time. He was putting up with a lot of pain, but I also never checked his vitals. And uh, you know, I could see that he his heart rate was fine and he was coherent and he was blinking. And you know, um, I didn't have anything to be worried about there. But that was one of the first things that the guy when we got out of the heli the paramedic asked for the ems folks didn't but he asked for that just you know it's nice to have a record or stuff you know every 15 minutes or so i should have been taking his pulse i was pretty busy dealing with um you know emergency services and all that stuff at the time and just trying to make sure ben was comfortable but anyway just another push for you to get your wilderness first first response training i mean the the uh, unfortunate reality of this sport is at some point you're probably going to be dealing with this kind of stuff. And so the better prepared you are, the better. Um, anyway, let's get on with this show. Sorry for that long preamble. I hope that just makes you think and helps some folks out and maybe saves some other people from having a similar terrible situation. Uh, this show with Fabian Blanco, I've been dying to talk to Fabian. Uh, he and I met several years ago in Annecy. He runs a school there called Flyo. Uh, does a lot of training on single surface wings, tons of SIV, like tons and tons and tons. Uh, famous for it there. He really got into flying because of the mountaineering. So he's super into the lightweight thing and bivy. And so we discuss all of that. And really from his perspective, from the instructor perspective, we talk about good students, bad students, and uh, everything in between. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Uh, it took us weeks and weeks to put this together with a bunch of bad connections and stuff. So I apologize. There will be some places where the sound isn't great, but it's worth sticking in there and listening to it. I think you'll get a lot out of this. So please enjoy this conversation with Fabian Blanco at Flyo. Fabian, uh, this is a real honor to have you on the show. You know, we met a few years ago. You were so kind to host me at, at Flyo there in Annecy and showed some fun films and haven't seen you since, but you've been highly, highly, highly requested to get on here. And I just recently saw your Patreon page where your team is releasing these incredible educational videos. So I think it's a really timely uh, opportunity to talk to you about SIV and bivy and instruction and just all the things that your team is doing there in Annecy. So welcome to the, uh, welcome to the mayhem and, and thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for you, Gavin. Of course, um, we can talk about the new evolution of Flyo because uh, I've got partners now, new partners, very motivated, and we have a lot of uh, different news to to do. Yeah, great. So let's let's just start there. Uh, you know, give give the audience those that aren't familiar just a real brief history of Flyo. And maybe a little bit of your own history, because I, I, you know, I know you're there in Dusard. You're in one of the most famous places to fly in the world. You're perfectly set up for, for SIV and for XC, and you're doing some single surface instruction now. Maybe just a, a real brief history, and then I'll ask you some specific questions about. Maybe we'll we'll dig into SIV to begin with. 
All right, that would take quite a lot of time, but uh, briefly, um, I started Flyon uh, 12 years ago, uh, um, just uh, with a friend, which is uh, my business partner, because um, just like Business Angel at the beginning. And um, we just developed more the, um, private coaching because I'm ski instructors and also climbing instructors. And uh, uh, for coaching, private coaching was uh, was good actually to, to find the progression for each people. That's why we, we ran that for a few years. We decided just to grow, to grow, just to have a shop because I used to work for MacPro Technology. Um, we tried to find um, a good relationship with them and we just uh, have a little shop and this shop grow and now we have a, a team. And then we we run to, to do a lot of SIV coursing also because I used to be uh, an pilot and I can see a lack of people of different kind of topics like if they have fears, they have um, different uh, wrong information from different kind of people. And I was interesting just to coach um, individually people and the way of SIV courses it's the best way to to do that that's why we we promote last uh, maybe six seven years more SIV courses because for me that was the the way of teach individual people much more precisely yeah so Fabian tell me more about you know kind of the how SIV has changed over the years and and you know take me through kind of one of your typical courses if someone if someone hasn't done any SIV, how, how does it all work at Flyio? Yeah, there was a huge evolution since the beginning, um, and now actually we we try in Flyio to develop uh, a philosophy. Um, means uh, our philosophy is based on fundamental things and not based on to do some maneuvers. Um, I explain myself. We develop basic um, uh, fundamentals on technique uh, means um, just to trust on your harness, just to, to, to understand for the people the brake range and to use the full brake range. We understand um, also to push them just to have um, um, visual, um, main visual vision of what is going on and not to have a narrow vision. Um, also just to all that kind of basic stuff, we work on the mantle also. That's why we work on the technique and on the mantle. We work more on the people, on the pilot, and less on the glider. Hmm. Tell me more about how, 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 do you, how do you work on the mental side of things? Um, because a lot of people actually um, think they don't do something because the glider um, is, is, is quite scary. A, a lot of fear on, on their mind. We try first just to push themselves on a stable position on the harness. And then when they trust on the equipment, we can work with them. It's just a little step on the mantle. We can work on the mantle. And then we have different other a progressing step for the mantle just to realize to push themselves on the out of the comfort zone, but just little by little. Because by to uh, a long time ago, by the past, I saw the uh, instructors like uh, Adon uh, ten years ago was to push people too much on maneuvers, but maneuvers was too 
difficult um, for them, um, they're not really realized or they're not, they cannot reproduce by themselves after the course. And that's why we, we change our mind and we work more with um, just uh, slow progression, but to let them more understood about the basic or the tiny uh, in um, just a tiny details has more important than a huge maneuvers uh, to do it. That makes a lot of sense to me. You know, our, our last guest that was just on the show uh, that we we just released this uh, a few days ago, but Adele Hante was was talking about, you know, that your your mind uh, in the beginning can't catch up to where what what is happening with your wing. You know, if you, if you have a cascading event and you throw your reserve and you're down on the ground and you have perfect memory, perfect recall of what happened and how it happened and where you went wrong, then, you know, you're, you're in control, but where most people don't have any idea they, well, it, it shot out in front of me. And then I, I don't know, it just, it all just happened too fast. And, you know, you're not, in other words, they aren't That's trained true. to, have understood they haven't done it enough to have really understood so i i like the idea of you know really slowing that down and taking your time it must be that must be quite fruitful with your students yeah and in two side we have the commercial way um that's it's it's tremendous how the new gliders are safe how the new gliders are fast are a lot of performance but the just the commercial way, forgot to say, you must have the basic skills, technical and mental, just an analysis of situation to go through that and to just take advantage of those performance. And um, and that's the main problem because they trust more on the glider than they trust on them. And when the trouble is coming, they have no idea what's happened. Because everything goes fast, and when you're on the travel, the cascade goes, and the problem after the cascade, um, it's they cannot really recover very safely because they don't know what's happened. That's mm. why they come through us, and we just explain them, just little by little, and we we are just more like a, I don't know. Um, a surgeon for them. <laughs> I mm, don't know. Mm. So you you break it all. You really break it down into the into its various kind of uh, parts and and what's happening at at each stage. Yeah, that's true. That's why um, the, our evolution. It's we really whatever the the levels. We had some different little tests for them. Um, for this little test, we can exactly know if they have a lack of different uh, fundamentals like we described it and uh, if they have a lack we have to push more on to work on that kind of fundamental then we can go further but for all the level level for the french team we, we train for the team for the british uh, race academy for even for different level we have a few tests and with these tests we can discuss with the pilot and and interest them to work on that that kind of tiny points before to go in hard difficult maneuvers i like that as well because then you're getting some immediate kind of self-evaluation feedback you're, you're you immediately kind of know where you are you know am, am i reacting too fast not fast enough am i reacting in the proper way it, it really gives you kind of a baseline to know where to build from 
That's true. And sometimes think it's uh, people think, oh yeah, but it's it's natural for me. Okay, it could be natural, but there is some fundamental things. And if you have a lack in one situation, you will be in trouble. And if you if you have this lack, you will not cover because you don't know what's going on. That's why we try to for everyone to have um, a, a simple analysis about the fundamentals. And if it goes right, uh, we can go further. But if it goes wrong, if we go faster and actually, we can, in one step of a progression, we're going to have a problem, a trouble. And and then we have just to return back on into the, the, basis, um, the basis fundamentals. So tell me about the, the self-evaluation test. What what what, for example, would that would that look like? Um, yeah, I define um, it's re- really simple because in in a maneuvers like uh, simple uh, just pitching or a simple three sixty with a rapid exit, I can see ninety percent of the skills of the pilot. Wow. Uh, why? It's just because um, you have everything in that kind of thing. You just in how to introduce uh, the rotation, if people can pull the brake only or can use the weight shift and plus the brake or can make a roll of different thing like this or can do nothing. Uh, you can estimate um, the engagement of uh, the rotation uh, if it goes slow because for, for them, for all pilots uh, who don't know really well, for them, it's hard to estimate uh, if they go fast in rotation, if they go slow, because it's just their own estimation. With this test, we can see that they're just doing by themselves, um, and we can see how they engage, and they can see how they come out of the rotation as quick as possible. I ask them to go as quick as possible and to manage, but with them, they don't want to push them, themselves too much. And um, I can see the skill, how, what kind of technique they use to coming out, and the mental aspects about that, and some different uh, tiny uh, break range, uh, the break range, I can see how they use it, and all stuff like this. For sure, we're not pushing them on a hard dive power. We just have them just to do just one turn enough, and then coming out as quick as possible. Just with the only test, all the pilots, even the high-level standard, I can really see the different failures. Wow, that's amazing. So if you, judging on that, when you go really more the kind of mental and rather than focusing on maneuvers, but but really the fundamentals, you know, what, what, where, is I, where is a student coming out ideally after their first SIV with you? Where where do you kind of hope to get them, or is it just too individual? Everybody's different. Yeah, for sure, everybody's different. But sometimes they arrive with the big goal. You know, they arrive like to, I want to to have a new glider. I want to test my glider. I want to test my new harness, my port harness. And when I explain how a philosophy. They can be not agree the first <laughs> part. They're very interesting, but. Um, but you know we have to negotiate. Um, but for sure, um, the trust on the instructor, the trust on on my team and on me, and they say, okay, well, let's do it like this. Um, then how do we explain that? It's say, okay, you just show me that, and we explain why 
you know, 360 rapid exit, or for sure will not tell them, oh, it's because for analyzing yourself or something like this. We just tell them, okay, let's do it because rotation, if a glider just have a trouble in a thermal, or if you miss a thermal, if you're out of a thermal, if you have a collapse and the collapse will reopen, for sure the glider will introduce to a, a rotation, a quick. But you don't want this rotation. That's why you ha you want to stop it. And if you stop it, you have the back pitch and you have to control the pitch and all stuff like this. That's why it's a basic situation you can have million times in your flights. But that's why our, our introduction is made like this. That's why we're going to work on that because it's really for us a basic situation. And if in this basic situation, if you are get the right skills, if you, the mantle is quite good enough, we can go further because if you have a misunderstanding on another maneuver, for sure the glider will make a turn and this turn includes uh, a rotation and you must be able without to do uh, no fear with just a reflex uh, action. You have to coming out and restart again without you have to use the mantle potential uh, decrease so much. Um, after that, they are a little bit more agree just to take part of this philosophy. And then the action comes, and after the first action, we have to negotiate very quickly, or not, or we have to work on basic action, and that's why they, they go with us, because they understand they have a lack, and this lack could be a trouble for the rest of the progression. Do you run into... Or obviously you do. How much do you run into um, just students that are difficult to, uh, I'm trying to trying to frame this in the right way. You know, people learn in different ways. Some people are kinetic learners. Some people can learn from books. Some people can only learn by seeing it. You know, what happens when you get a student who really struggles, you know, who, who really, uh, Maybe maybe they they aren't listening or they can't they they're not digesting the information or maybe they think they're much better than they are. Yeah, well, um, you know, we really adapt about the different way of teaching for sure. Uh, this test, like a three sixty rapid exit, is really oriented to um, people with the B plus glider or B B plus glider to C glider. Uh, people with the A gliders most of the time um, they have they know they never really rarely overestimating their level, mm. and they just want to learn some basic stuff just to go forward. But most of the time, um, uh, for sure, people all the knowledge, all the experience they have, it's all the time positive. That means even if it's not on my way of steering, you know, I haven't got a way of steering. I have a psychologically, uh, you know, uh, um, a philosophy, but not a really, because if it's efficient, I don't care if he's doing it with my uh, technique or with another. Hmm. The important is to have an efficient action and it should be clear with the mantle, with this mantle. And both things, if they go right, I don't care. Just it's I just push to have efficient action, and to have efficient action, you must be precise. To be precise, you must know what is the what are the fundamentals to get the right actions. That's why whatever the level, if you are a beginner, 
if you're not well fit into your harness because you never moved before, I told them just to to just feel the little ambulance um, to get the best position, just to feel in balance out of a turn, to feel in balance in centrifuge force. And that's it. That will be a huge progress for them because they will feel no fear and they can start working precisely with the hands. But for the other pilots, I try to convince them to change the position first to have a better um, control with the hands. When when is someone ready for their their first SIV? When when do you recommend somebody does their first SIV? And then how often should it be repeated? Um, to be honest, um, we had a, a, I don't know it's it's a year packing progression for our student. I mean, so during the year we have uh, beginners and we push them. To, they follow our course during the year, um, and for them we have the first. SIV over the water with the ambience and and uh, security area very very soon. I mean, um, after the twentieth flight, we go over the water um, just to just to experiment a bit of movement before to be in the, in the thermal. But it's easy for us just to push them because we are in the area, and for our beginners, it's it's a simple way. Just uh, to to put them in this uh, situation, but for other people, we ask them just to have a minimum um, to be autonomous on the takeoff and the launch. In autonomous means don't spend energy to launch, don't spend energy to um, to reach the landing safely. And um, we'll look after them in the air. Why? Because if they spend a lot of energy on takeoff. For sure, they will be not clear in their mind in the air, and for sure for the landing, we are not here. We are not here just to um, help them at the landing because mm-hmm. um, that's why the minimum skills we need. It's uh, a pilot which is uh, completely uh, clear on the launch and on the landing, and then. We can adapt completely, really adapt each flight, each day's um, the the program completely. That's why the, just it's important just to be as soon as possible because during past years, SIV, co- uh, SIV courses was just for two different uh, topics. First, people were scared and they had injured, and they want to go further, and they want to understand more the glider. The second, our pilot want to discover the new glider, the new equipment before the race season. And um, that those two topics, um, they are not the right way of learning. You know, uh, it's more question of progression, and the, we just more we want to. Um, to push more uh, the the development of the pilot instead of the glider. Um, and it works, and it works, because I don't care if you have a red or blue glider, I don't care if you have A, B, C, or C, C, C glider. It's just if you can a- adapt all the skills, all the technique and everything, the mantle will be increasing, and you have a, you're going to have a gain. But if because you fly for five days, uh, five years, and you have uh, because after five years you have to pass through a sea because everybody do this, um, you're on the wrong way. You're on the wrong way. 
Mm. The, is is SIV for everyone, Fabian? Like, if you're, do you do you feel like if you're flying XC, that's just part of the fundamentals that you absolutely need, or is maybe is SIV not for everybody? Um, you know, um, SIV it's not the only way of learning for sure. It's a, it's a part. It's a, I, I can't estimate the percentage, but maybe I can estimate it's, uh, we can imagine um, for learning paragliding, you know there is a part of technique, a part of mantle, and a part of analysis. Um, we spend a lot of time. The technique is, is it's, um, you can acquire the technique very quickly. You can acquire the technique very quickly just to control your glider. Um, and But if it's, if it's done on the right way of balance, um, the mantle will be, we do up and down very quick, uh, up and down, and you will not understand why, and you will not recover as well. Mm. If the technique is well, you understand what's going on, and then you can recover much more clearly during the flight or after the flight or after uh, a little travel. And, and that's why the technique of the mantle could be um, 50% of um, the progression. The other 50 is the flying and analysis. But if you have a great analysis, if you have uh, understand all the flow of the aerology to anticipate all the thermals, to see all the different uh, reference, you can be airbirds and all stuff like this. But if your technique is completely crap, the mantle during the fly will be down again. Mm. Um, it will be hard for you to recover from uh, a low low part or from uh, a lee side where because in crash country you can be in the lee side. And for you, for you, that takes a lot, a lot, a lot of energy to recover. You can coming out, but that will take a lot of energy because the misunderstanding of this situation is that makes people trouble. That's why for me, SIV courses, again, is not the only way to learn. It's a part of, um, you must go in some situation sometimes just to learn something. Uh, it's like a gymnasium, you know, for me, it's like, um, it's like a technical gymnasium. It's like a bordering place for climbing. You know, you can reproduce different technique. You cannot doing on the hard long uh, run. You know, mm. in 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 the rock. Um, that's why it's a, yeah. For me, it's a, it's a gymnasium. You just go here just for training specific things. And mm. um, if you if you think for you 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 will you want to learn your glider. That's good, but you want to learn on your glider, but also you want to learn on yourself. It's all the time like this. Even for very, very good pilot, you spend a lot of time without flying. Um, you have a glider, the spring is starting, and um, we have to, we, we call, uh, when we open a bottle, we put the, the I don't know how does it, yeah. uh, open the bottle, it makes like a, yep. something like this. And yeah. um, we call it the, the psychologically unlock. We, mm. we have to do a first SIV, a first movement to unlock your, uh, your psychology lock during the water or during a, a, you know, a cascade you had the previous, just to, to think, wow, oh, I'm able to control again. All right, my technique is there. Okay, I will increase my mantle and I can go forward. But without that, you have the people get trouble 
in in their head. They talk a lot. We talk in a bar. People talking a lot. Talk a lot on bars. And what they talk about? Collapse. They talk about the main the main conversation. Talk about that kind of travel we can have. And but they never talk about. Wow, oh, that was nice to fly there wow the feeling the glide my glider was just riding quite well i see the birds and help me or something no no that's why mental <laughs> the mentally people just talking a lot about that and that's crazy because when we are in SIV courses especially when we are here we all think is positive whatever the experience of each that we can learn to each other because if the people are got very big experience can talk about different things People with low experience can talk about different things, but we all, all the time very, very positive about everything because when it's positive, you get you have a gain of experience from the others. And if we talk and uh, because and that's why people like it because uh, we're not talking about drama <laughs> here. We just we're just talking about just power gliding, um, and they will really understand. They were going to talk to work on them, but not on the glider. <laughs> and that's why now, just talking about uh, how many uh, SIV we need. Um, and, and I think I told you it's important for each pilot to have done one SIV, just to know what's going on, just what we talk about. But how, how many we need now, it's completely uh, a personal vision because it's for people, they need a lot just to get, have a gain of confidence because on this ambience, on this, uh, the process we use on SIV coursing, that, that helps a lot. But, but some people like me, I used to, or some other people, when they had a do SIV coursing, they take a lot of information. They can do it by themselves because we give them some exercises to do it after the course. And if the people are able just to do it in uh, those technique or those uh, exercises uh, it's simple for them just to to work by themselves but a lot of people they never used to do that that's why they have to come back and come back until they will understand they're good enough psychologically and technically just to do it by themselves that's why there is no rules after the first one mm. Fabian, I, I totally agree with your viewpoint on being positive and optimistic in the drama. We, you know, you, how many comps have I been to and you're driving up to launch and people are talking about this reserve toss and this accident. And so I don't, I don't want to get too, too dramatic because I think that's terrible headspace for pilots to be in. But the, re the reality is that, you know, you live in a place in Annecy where I'm sure over the years you've seen uh, tons and tons of accidents. Let's just talk about that briefly. You know, what are the most common, say the top three uh, reasons that accidents happen and, and, and how could they be avoided? Um, the first we can see is uh, rotation. Um, they start in, in rotation and um, they conserve the rotation to the ground. Mm. And um, the other things are... Um, do, you, do you mean like a spin? It's spinning. You, yeah, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Spin, rotation. Yeah, 360. I think they go into the glider. Most of the glider actually are very safe, but sometimes they deflate it. And the deflation push glider, they, when they're opening, they push on a roll. Um, the people are a little bit scared to open the deflating part, but the deflating part is diving. That's why they try just to put the hands and, 
and and then they start to be in a rotation, you know. Um, if they're close to the ground, they mm. touch the ground or they touch trees or here in the trees. Um, so, some of us are the thing of pilots, we are some good thermals over here, and sometimes we have clouds everywhere above the 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 landing or the different area, and they, they try just to do some 360. Um, they cannot, they, they're still climbing, and they try to put that there to come down. Um, they lose the control by the centrifuge. They fear, they're scared of the centrifuge, and they're coming out on the rapid exit. They cannot control the pitch. And they're, they're not because they don't know how to control the pitch, just because they completely lost themselves about the centrifuge. They cannot estimate that even an A glider can turn as quick as that mm. because they never do that first things. Um, and the second thing, the third thing, uh, the first thing is rotation, and the third, second thing is spins. Um, we have we have a lot of um, problem of pilot who are um, just this care just to push put the hand down, you know, just for turning the glider. But they want just to get the thermals late in the day or the lost thermal just to stay more longer in, in the air. And they spin the glider because they, they just feel feel the instability into the harness and they try to recover in the hands. They are already in low speed and they just make the spin. But some of them don't know what is the difference between the 360 rotation and the spin? That's why they think they start the rotation and they start the spin. And, and the problem with the spin is weird sensation. If you put your hands up, like everybody say, if you're high enough, you have change to recover. And they think they realize the good thing. Um, but if you're not high enough, you touch three. And the most accident we had, because we've got a French statistic, are um, those just two parts, rotation or close to the ground or in the air or and, uh, and spin. Mm. Um, that's, why, that's why in SIV coursing, courses, we are really, really based on those two, because those two, the first thing, the rotations, you work on the technique. You must work on the technique just to to uh, squeeze your um, your handle and not. It's not. Uh, it's just adaptable. Three sixty. We call it regulates. You can regulate and play with the handles. People don't think you can regulate. You know, um, and also because it's a little thing. They're scared. Uh, they they have a lot of history of trouble about. A lot of accidents, and they say, and for them, it's 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 a huge, huge things, you know. Um, and spin also it goes a bit further because spin is um, is is a little bit tricky, as you know, because different glider can can store, different glider can be on spin, and for us, when you fly in different condition, you can have spin, but if you recognize, there is no trouble anyway. But the people. Or the the thing spin is dangerous, and they think they will avoid it without just to push the hands down. But that's wrong because in different situation, on dynamic situation, you can span your glider as quick as possible without you push your hands so much down. And we have to explain them. We have to really, really explain them um, that those two situation. That's why we are based on that both uh, and. 
the, the other accident, unfortunately, are completely different. That's why we have to, on our school, we push on that. It's the landing. A lot of people don't know how to approach a landing field. And that's why it's a connection for BV flying or single skin courses like we do. We are very, very focused on how to land in, in a field. Because people think that after 20 flights, they feel, they feel natural to land. Uh, but landing is not natural. You need a, per se, a procedure. Uh, you need a process, procedure. You need an, an analyze of the position. You have to analyze a lot of things. And um, um, every time, and you, you know more than other people because you have a lot, a huge experience of BB flying or uh, cross-country flying. If you are in the official landing, everybody landing on one side, it doesn't mean it's a good side, <laughs> especially also in uh, where we are. Yeah. When we push pilots just to land on different side, different area, very often, because that push themselves to have a self-analysis and not to follow a group and not to follow some board who's just right, like something like this. Um, and that's why a lot of people just got um they just follow like cheap uh and the landing and and they say at the last part oh my god i'm the wrong side and they just start to initiate a turn and they crash and fail um that's the main problem actually in france um that's also um uh our topics to to push in our school actually that's really interesting. So, I, you know, it, it, hearing it from you makes perfect sense. But statistically, that surprises me that, uh, you know, of, of course, I I knew that it would be not controlling a, a proper uh, turn or spiral and then a spin and then landing or contributes to a lot of accidents. But I would have thought statistically, like, you know, flying in conditions that are above your skill level or, you know, blowing a crosswind launch or something would lead to more accidents. Accidents. But that's that's really interesting that it's more these kind of basic fen- fundamentals that are that are uh, being screwed up. That that's interesting to know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why because we we thought with the new evolution, a lot of people are flying Zeno, a lot of people are flying high performance gliders, but uh, most of the accidents are coming. Uh, I think the high percentage are coming with that um, three things and not because they have a huge collapse to recover a crevasse for thousand meters. It's just because it's not, was, it was not on the lee side and he, and he made the trouble. It, it, all, most of the stories are like this, actually. Um, and we, we think we changed our mind last few years uh, because um, we, we, we used to do like, you know, the... Um, the SIV courses like doing maneuver for doing maneuvers. And we changed a little bit last few years about just be more clear with uh, to explain people what are the uh, fundamentals to help you in some situations. Um, and also to push them just to assume some, um, you know, some to assume the centrifuge force. Even if you are A gliders, if you are, if, even if you have a B glider, people think, oh yeah, I'm flying C for many years, but now I, I need a B because um, I feel less confident or something. But the, the aerodynamic behaviors are exactly the same. And we, whatever, if you want A gliders or a CCC gliders, if your skills and technical and your mental are completely crap, 
it will be the same result. <laughs> You're going to crash on the A too. I like that. <laughs> um, no, but you know, to be honest, um, uh, a lot of people say, yeah, you flying, uh, I have a million people coming with Zeno, a million people are coming with the C and they, for sure they haven't got the proper skills to control the gliders. But I don't care because for them, it's important to, to talk to them about themselves and not about the glider. The glider has got two handles and a sit. We just have to know how to use it. But if it's whatever it is red and blue, you know, I don't care. It just have to, we have to work on the self-estimation of the pilots more than on the glider and for me we're going to have a huge it's like on the car you know there is still have many accidents on the car and we uh, but we we have to educate more the pilots than we uh, than we put some uh, different radar on uh, on more cops no we have to educate more the pilot that's why we try to push in our philosophy Great. Fabian, let's switch gears here a little bit because I, I don't know of anybody else doing this. I'm sure there there are folks, but um, you're teaching single skin gliders now. Um, I, I've, I fly them a bit, but I'd like to get your your take on it. What's what's different about that education? It, uh, what's what goes into that kind of those fundamentals versus a, a standard wing? Um, yeah. Um, why? Um, by sorry, I'm an um, alpinist and a rock climber, and I like to spend time in the mountain. But I'm getting old, and I don't want to come down by my my foot because my knees hurt. But not really. But <laughs> I want to save my my body, and I love far gliding. And by the past, our mountains uh, glider was too heavy or uh, take too much uh, place on our backs. That's why we give up most of the time to take them, uh, except for very basic uh, courses in the mountains. Um, when uh, I start to work on the, the development with Ed Sign uh, four or five years ago, um, um, I was so happy to see this single skin, you know, um, and uh, say, wow, that will be a huge evolution for us uh, for uh, for running in the mountain without a big bag. And that's why my only way was just that less weight, but also less a compact bag. Uh, I can I can take every, every time. And then. Um, the first I had was the XX Lite for sure from Ozone, and I flown one or two years like this, and it was just fantastic. But the performance was not good, and um, and the skills um, was a little bit tricky for all of the people. And when Eddie Design proposed me just to test gliders and to to work on that, I was very happy. But the only way for me was just to have a simple. A bit more performant, but a simple with a lot of uh, brake range and um, as compact. And whatever, it was, will be not as light as the other, but I would like a compromise just to be easy in the mountain. Um, well, the UFO came out and uh, the skiing came out. And that was a huge, huge progress, huge progress compared to, uh, um, compared to uh, the XX Lite. Um, well... 
after because we push on the the topics with the UFO because I know more the the air design. Uh, I really, really want to have really simple gliders, the simplest, uh, uh, the simplest because mountain conditions are difficult. And if we have a little more difficult glider, that takes a lot of skills. Um, most of, I knew most of alpinists will just uh, want to do it again, trailers and something like this. And they will be attracted to that kind of new sport or a new feeling of movement of, in mountains. Um, our, our goal was just to make the easiest, the simplest, and the life as possible. And the UFO was great, and I was very, very, very happy. And my goal was to, my girlfriend, she's doing a lot of alpinism, and she's a rock climber also, but she was so scared under the XX light. And when we did the prototype, developed the, the UFO, she was so happy to fly with. And now I can find in my in my home because she's all the time <laughs> she's all the time flying with. <laughs> and uh, um, that that was the history. <laughs> That's why. Um, well, when my girlfriend started to to fly with this uh, glider, I would say, "Well, it's possible, really possible, just to um, to teach people with." And um, I do a lot of tests during three years with beginners, you know, in normal of normal gliders. I just provide this glider on a bit basically on the on the training hills. Um, and people was very surprised as it was easy mm. to launch. It was easy to carry up um, from the, the training hills. It was easy just to get a control of it. And they, the, their feeling was, wow, I want to fly now. And look at my friend, they need more to time to control and with this glider it's it was very easy but for for sure we hesitate to leave them to beginners because it was not on the way of uh, teaching power gliding but i do a lot of tests during a few few years and i had a story about one one guy was he came with his um, with his son he's got 50 years old and it was not really a sport people and not very coordinate, and uh, his son was really good. And well, I decided just to give them a UFO and just to say, uh, yeah, let's try, let's try, let's have fun because it had a lot of failures on the training hills. And at the moment he took this glider, it was his smile come back, and it was just perfect. It was just perfect. All the stuff was perfect. It was really successful for him, for his mantle, and for. Do you know, for, wow, he was so happy. Mm. And he can play, he can play. For me, it was just a test, but he was happy to play with the others and to have a really successful, um, rather than his age, you know. And we continue like this the whole week long. And for him, it was natural, you know. Um, but for us, we, we were in front of something because we know um, there is a different specific thing on the single skin you cannot find on the... Um, on the normal gliders, and um, that's why we had to explain afterwards uh, what are the difference. And he said, "Well, I don't care. I'm going to buy a single skin. I want to. Keep, I just want to fly down the mountain." And it was just nice. And um, and then we decided just to make some single ski course specifically uh, because uh, we knew it was safe. We knew it was easy, but 
but also we can work more on different other topics than a normal course. And we try just to develop more that those those kind of course for a few reasons. Uh, because we are in um, have a lot a lot of friends, mountain guides and climbers. Um, they are and trailers are very attracted to just to play in the mountains like uh, people do some uh, uh, speed flying people do some uh, um, you know wingsuit and all stuff and it's for them it's ooh, a new um, um, new fashion new things uh, to do it and uh, and also for most of the climbers and um, uh, most of the mountain guides something like this uh, it's it's a new creation help them just to come down the mountains uh, and to save themselves on uh, on for the knees or something like this and that's why we attract a lot of friends we do a lot of um, benchmark uh, camps uh, with friend climbers or high mountain guides and it was a real success are the courses really with the single skin gliders really really meant for kind of the basics basically launching and having a sledder nice flight down and landing you're not you're not really teaching them to use them in 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 more dynamic ways it's it, you're 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 teaching them to use it as a descent tool exactly yeah. well basically we just do that that means um the difference i'm going to talk about the differences um the easy launch you know that it's it's just perfect mm. um you can feel the lift very quickly and you can have a really short space to launch um, but you have to run. It has a normal glider, but uh, it's, it's the potential to miss a uh, uh, launch is really rare. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that you extract yourself from the mountain. It's very easy. And uh, well, to reach the landing, uh, this glider was less spec ratio, um, less inertia because there is one single skin. There is um, no, there is no air pressure in it, no air um, in prison in it. That's why there is less inertia everywhere. Um, it that most of a single skin are traversing turbulence much more easily than a normal glider, and uh, that's why uh, that allowed people just to traverse a little bit of turbulence easily, thermal or little rough conditions, and. Um, the different thing is uh, for the approach is the same approach as a power glider. Um, the spec, the 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 ratio, the glide ratio, because mm -hmm. for a pilot like you, uh, a power glider has got some references, and for sure when he's flying single skin, he say, "Wow, what the hell!" <laughs> uh, but for pilots who just begin on that, you know, if you start learning uh, driving with a Ferrari. You learn on the Ferrari and you don't you don't know anything else. You just adapt yourself and learn how to control it. Mm. When we just teach people completely new on this sport, you have no experience on other thing. And everything goes right without thinking different thing differently. That's why they just take it and just adapt themselves. If the the launch is like this, the, the glide ratio is this. Um we just for the landing, it's pretty easy too because uh, they have no other experience. The difference is when you are a power glider and you want to become a single skin pilot. Mm. 
because the paragliders think, uh, oh, yeah, I've got an amazing glide ratio. This glider to go down. Oh, that's shit. And um, if I, when, I, when I'm turning, it goes very quick on the side. I'm so scared. Um, or oh, blah, 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 blah. Different, different things, which is not really important. If you are under landing, oh, the landing, there is no flare out. Or you, I crash every time. It's completely shit. It's completely shit. All right. <laughs> I listen to a lot of things like this. I don't care. But um, I, I have the proof uh, during all my camp I've done with beginners, no one has land on the back. Hmm. No one has, uh, has got a trouble in the air. No one has, uh, has, has been some in a dive rotation without any control. No one has got collapse and all the stuff like this. I just push and put everything on, on, the, on, the, on the truth. You say, well, it's just a question of adaptation. It's just a question of adapt yourself and you will see uh, the life will be better. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Why a lot of people crashing in the landing? Uh, we talk about uh, in the air, it, it feels sensitive. Well, for sure, it feels sensitive because the size are smaller. And uh, the light equipment, you can, you can compare for your X-Hub glider to, uh, I don't know if you've flown, on, you, I'm sure you've flown on the Peak 4 or something yeah, like this, yeah, yeah. Uh, because you fly Navy. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. correct. And, um, and uh, the, the, the difference inertia between those gliders is very is huge. Mm. It's huge. Mm-hmm. A light equipment is a little bit more, um, you know, a radical feeling, very quick, but it's not going. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it feels sensitive, very quick, but then it happens. Mm. In a peak four or like you uh, flown or in a race glider with the very hard materials, um, it, it feels more heavy above the head. Mm-hmm. But then when the movement is going, it it feel big, big inertia yes. every time. It's completely different feeling. And well, what we the feeling we have on a single skin is even more uh, in, in impressive because you have no air in prison. That's why you have no inertia, and it's really, really light. And um, even action, it feels tuk tuk moving on the side, moving forward, but it makes people scared. Yeah, the, my 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 first my first few flights on a uh, on a single skin, I I felt naked. I just felt like I was like there was nothing up there, and it just <laughs> felt really it felt really bizarre. But like you said, once you adapt, then they're just terrific tools. And what a thing what in the for pilots. That's why we we push on the. Um, we push on the, um, on our courses, on beginner courses for like a normal, for them it's a tool. We don't think, we never talk about them, about that kind of different uh, tiny uh, details like a paraglider thing. We never talk. It's just a tool. Fly, man. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't see the difference. For them it's natural. And the landing, it's natural mm. completely. And we have maybe one fail on the back in one field because that's normal. We have to, but... Ninety percent, uh, I can I can assume ninety percent they land on 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 the foot every every time mm. every time, and mm. um, that's why we were we we make a difference. That's why we do we do a lot of tests with the students. Um, we define a, a different a bit pedagogy uh, about that because it's an easy tool. It's really really easy to walk with and to to climb in the mountains and to land well um, properly and to fly properly um now we were more focused on that kind of camps are 
how to approach a landing, but not an official landing, a landing. Mm. Because by the performance, we know is not as good as another one. We know now most of the area, like we are flying in, uh, in, in Annecy, but the landing field is quite far where you need a lot of glide ratio. But if you have the wind against you, even a normal glider can, cannot reach the landing, but even more <laughs> single skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why, um, that's why our, our approach are, okay, it's easy to launch. We know how to launch. It's easy in the air, no trouble. But we are very focused on how they uh, understand the, the the space in the air, how they analyze the situation to approach, which side of which you approach, what kind of approach do you choose the different adaptations. Because they're not scared. It's easy to launch. And uh, we push them all the focus on to create themselves, to understand and just to be intelligent landing and not a cheap landing. Mm. And we were very focused on that because for two reasons, because about the accident I told you before, and also because that kind of pilot will be not flying in the official site. Most of the time they will have a little hike and fly and decide just to land in the, in one land close to the, in one field close to the car, or maybe because they, they cannot reach the landing and they have to adapt themselves and adapt the technique to reach an unofficial uh, landing. And um, we'll focus on that. And it's easy with this, with this kind of uh, camps because there is no problem for them and on on the takeoff. That's what the only thing they have to think is just to um, to, um, to to build the approach, to build to build the approach and to land properly and like this. Because we we push them and we try to interest them to say, okay, well that's a big landing, but maybe we'll find a small landing, and uh, and a small landing you must be much more precise on that. And they're very concentrated on that and very interesting. To see the different situations and to adapt this to adapt this different situation and uh, this technique on different area also. Um, that's why even for a beginner course and single skin, we try nearly each day to change the the landing. Uh, in nearly each flight. Mm. Right. Fabian, are there? Um... You know, like we kind of learned in the early days of the mini wings and speed wings that people started using them and well, they still do, but hopefully this is, you know, being done less and less as, as information travels and accidents add up. And in the mini wings and speed wings, pilots were often using them in the middle of the day and getting in real trouble with thermals. And, you know, these are typically pilots who haven't done any SIV and then they're flying wings that really aren't built for thermaling uh you know they're they're not cross-country gliders they're not paragliders in a sense that we think of as you know a normal sized paraglider are there things that like that with the with the single surface wings you know i've heard of people flying them pretty sizable distances cross-country uh in my flying with a single surface glider i i have never considered that uh they just it doesn't feel right over my head are are there are there things that shouldn't be done with single surface gliders? 
um, it's very it's very weird. For me, it's a paraglider, but it's more tool than a paraglider. Yeah. Because I have so much experience in other gliders to say, well, I use my crash country glider just to make some uh, cross country. I use my BWAC uh, gliders because I want to hike and have a, a nice cross behind and walk a little bit. Um, I, I'm so, uh, you know, uh, spoiled about that. Yeah. <laughs> but if um, and I love, and I love every day because I work on the building every day and I have a lot to do each day uh, run. I, I, I use my, my uh, single skin just to make a run. And if I'm on top of the mountain, it's possible to fly at that time, I will fly you know, instead of to running down. But uh, for the for the moment, I've, um, just to to sh- make, sh- you know, I don't know how they explain to make uh, shout people to stop shouting about single skin. I made a nice cross country around the lake with my 14 square meters. Hmm. I did uh, the tour du lac, the big tour du lac, the 42 square meters. For sure, I need a book to read during all this cross country, but I made it and it was just perfect, you know. Um, I was, and it was just just nice, you know. Mm. Uh, it was because it was it's, it's flying. It's pretty safe. It's easy handling on the thermal. It's fantastic. Just between two thermals, you need to have the, – the thermal should be very close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but except that. Except that if you have a ridge, if you have a ridge, you can follow the ridge, you can do a lot of soaring. Um, but if you, if, you, if you cannot compare to a, a Peak 4 or a Zeno or an Enzo, if you, if you not compare, if you're just in the air, happy to be in the air, you just play with your tool. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's that your, your hammer, it's, it's good to, uh, to be used for uh, open uh, also uh, a bottle of beer. You know, you use this tool for that. <laughs> but it's, not, it's not the proper action for a hammer. But it worked. Yeah. That's good. Actually, um, it's, it's very hard. For, it's very hard for me just to, um, I, I could not say, uh, I'm not in the right position to say, well, this this glider is for using for that. This glider is using for that. This glider is for using for that. Just have fun in the air and use your glider as possible, as potential uh, as you can. Um, that's why, um, for me, if I had one glider, maybe at that time I will have my light PV glider because it's enough performance to do crash country. Is even is very light to climb in, in and to hike and to have a lot of fun for different acros, different things. and But it's not as good just to do uh, some technical uh, climbing, but it's good to climb up to the Mont Blanc and fly from, you know? Mm. But um, I have to choose just to have really light one and my bivouac because the really light one, I can climb hard routes and come down with this route and I can, um, I'm not scared just to uh, to um, give up from a fly because it's really light under my back and I can come down by third. And for me, it's to a fabulous tool. And we have to use as a tool and not as a lot of people said, yeah, you, you're not able just to do some thermal with that or you're not able to do some soaring. I just do some down. Of course not. You, you, it's a tool. It's a flying tool. You know, you have that. Don't regret to have that. A lot of people regret it. Oh, yes. Uh, today, oh, it's amazing. Uh, I miss my Zeno. I haven't got my Zeno. I don't care. Just fly what you have and have fun in the, the day. Explore. Perfect. Perfect. The potential is on you, not on the glider. Mm. Not on the glider. And... Um, just just the last information uh three this winter was not flyable it is just an example it was not really flyable in our country 
and last Saturday. Um, it was a fantastic spring day. Um, and I had just my uh, bivouac glider. I have a white. Uh, and um, I just walk on a mountain and I see what well, it was fantastic. And I did uh, 250K, you know, in the day. But this, the morning, I was so happy to do it. Mm. But the morning, I was tossed in the air with a lot of ENSO3. And the two first transition, it was going fast. Um, I, I can't go faster than them. I can't have the same performance. But in the end of the day, they done 210 and I done 250. <laughs> Um, what the hell? You know, it's it, it was funny. You know, of course they, they choose different routes, but they have a lot of fun. I have nice cross country, and and the day was just was just nice for all of us. You know, mm. and for sure when we're flying and you have the same skills and we're flying against all that kind of uh, glider, you can compare. Say, oh shit, you can you can blame yourself, mm. but don't stop blaming yourself. You just taking taking it easy in the air and just. Just fly, give the maximum potential of yourself, and the glider will give it to you for sure. <laughs> uh, that's that's just a terrific story yes. and great advice because I I think that that's a very common fallacy and frustration for pilots. You know when they they take off on glide. I, I had a very that's similar true. when when we met uh, and I came and, and showed that video at your place. This was. Gosh, it was during uh, Koopa Car years, at least four or five years ago. It was way before the first X Alp. So, uh, you know, I think I was flying the Arctic then, the Niviak Arctic, and I, and I took off from one of the uh, Grenolier. It was one of the beautiful sites south of St. Hilaire, and we were going to try to fly back to Annecy north. So it was, you know, it wasn't a long flight, maybe 100K or something. And uh, on the first transition over, uh, Grenoble, I think maybe, uh, you know, the, the guys I was with, this was back in the, in the, uh, ice peak six and Enzo, maybe one or two days, okay. you know, I, I just completely lost them on glide. And, and, you know, we came into the Ridge above St. <laughs> Hilaire and they were so much higher and farther ahead. And, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, my, my friend and I, Bruce Marks, we were both on Arctics. We both went quite a bit farther and, and, you know, it took us a lot longer to get there, but in, in a lot of ways, I think we had a more interesting day, you know, it was, it wasn't racing. It was, it was just enjoying the, the France, you know, it was just an amazing flight and such an incredible experience. And, you know, I, I think that. That's you know I I think we get lost in the numbers and the in the the competition and the uh, you know we we and and that's the the end game the end game there is it, it sucks because you there you you end you're done you you can't just keep pushing that because and then there's nowhere to go with the sport you know eventually you you've gone as far yeah. as you can go and you've you've done the comps and then what you know so if you don't enjoy all the different aspects you know the single skin and the acro and the all the things that our sport has to offer, then it gets boring. It's it's not fun anymore. I agree. I completely agree. I think they, all the pilots actually forgot what is the essential. Just to be in the air is just fantastic. Mm. And then it's plus. Yeah. And it's it's um and they all everybody compare everyone to compare competition for everything. Um, what, what I'm I'm very frustrated every time for about two questions from my guests are, first question is, uh, Fab, I want you to change my glider. Do you think this glider is safe? 
what the hell? How can I, how can I make an answer about that? You know, I, I did many times, you know, if they built people, engineers, test pilots, very good skills, make gliders, and they sell in the market, you think it's because they're, they're good or do you think because they're crap? I say, oh, shit. Hey, of course, they, they're probably good. Oh, yeah, you got the response. Yeah, you got the answer. And that, that's the first question. I say, oh, it's completely stupid. Hmm. Um, and the second answer is, well, oh, Fab, I test this glider and I compare to my other gliders and my friend wasn't beside to me and it was shit performance and they say it's good performance. They say, what kind of thing? Do you have the same load range? What the, the flying uh, mm. side was completely same uh, atmosphere and all stuff? Oh, no, of course not. I, I was not. And all the time. It is nothing to compare. It's it's not good, you know. It's uh, and you have a lot of people who's got bad behaviors, and 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 for them to to explain them to test a glider is not that, you know. And you know, it's not your job. It's already test before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's that's why you're not gonna answer to be better. It may be. To ask the question, what kind of air mass you were, or uh, maybe you will not push the same as that, and, uh, as him, and uh, different, different other questions. But they want to explore the thing, the gliders make the difference mm. all the time. Mm. And the philosophy is just to, to be in the air and to play with the air mass. Yeah, that's And if you play with the air mass, for sure, you're going to have the potential to do everything. That's that's one of my that's one of my greatest frustrations, Fab. It, it, it is is that exact thing that you do. You know, you have these pilots that they change their gear three times a year, and they're they're never they're never satisfied. It, and it's and it's it, you know it's like well that 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 guy's definitely you know he's faster than I am. He's he's gliding better, and you know I I get asked all the time from people like, hey, can you introduce me to Niviak? I you know I think I could be sponsored, and I I really don't like doing it because. Because there's no there's no loyalty, you know that that person will fly the Peak Four and love it and just think it's the most be the best wing in the world, and then someone will, you know, get a little better <laughs> glide on one of the glides on the on the Zeno, and then they switch. They sell their Peak Four and they go to the Zeno, and I say, wait oh, yeah. a minute, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. We're just we're just having fun. It's supposed to if it's not fun, there's no point <laughs> in doing this. But it's yeah. So, well, listen, yeah, I I agree, but it's every time like this. Huh? It is. It is. That's just. That's the nature of people. Hey, Fabian, before I before I let you go, I I really want to talk to you about Bivy because you know I I was watching your video, uh, your great video on on Patreon, uh, the, the Flyo educational videos you guys are going to be putting out, and I know that you you teach Bivy. You're also very passionate about Bivy flying. Um, we we get a lot of requests from listeners of the show about you know how to get into Bivy flying and. What kind of gear should I use, and uh, you know, how, how do I approach it safely? Do you guys do courses in bivy flying, or how how do you approach that side of the sport? All right, well, it's on the project for next autumn. We're going to have the first. Um, we're going to have the first uh, courses for bivy. Well, it will be benchmark. Well, our idea it's um, because for me. My heroes are you guys when you're doing some exile because it's um, it's uh, it's fantastic because you're flying a huge distance, you're 
flying in all conditions. You're not looking at the forecast. You just walk, walking in, in the condition of the day, on the takeoff of the day. And you find all the time a solution adaptation. And it's you have to give up a lot of time and you have to enjoy the flights every time you fly it. And it's just the philosophy is just brilliant. Mm. Because you are most of the time alone and you have some time with another people, but you have to think. And there is nothing to help you, nothing to talk, no instructor to take off, no instructor, no flags on the landings just to tell you what to do. And mm. um, for me, it's the best, the best things. Um, and that's why we try in during the single skin course to have the same mentality. Um, we would like to push the same mentality on bivouac flying. That's our, our goal. It's just a bivouac like the single skin or just... Uh, you know, uh, example to push people to what to push to understand what is the fundamental things. It's not performance. It's not uh, to have the best glider or the lightest glider. It's just to enjoy and to think differently. Ball bivouac is just a mentality and it's just enjoy the moment. Don't talk about performance because we talk a lot of Exalp. Exalp, it's crazy for good skills pilot like me because wow, I can see our kind of engagement in 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 preparation you did to do that. But the people look like a fucking amazing performance without preparation. You prepare a lot to do that. Mm. You 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 do a lot of things to do that. And and the things are not for them. That's the first things. Mm. Um, every time when people think bivouac, they think, oh, I want to make cross country just behind. And that's why I need the light and performance glider to do that. Now, that kind of people, we try to, to text them, to tell them, if you are in the middle of nowhere, out of your official site, you will see, you will think completely differently. Because you will don't know where you're going to land. You don't estimate the glide ratio. You just have to think differently. And maybe the best performance glider, even and uh, the best cross-country glider, the lightest, will not change about your attitude to land properly, to analyze the situation. That's why, um, that's why we are not really, will not be extremists on the first bivouac. We are here to um, educate educate them to enjoy the mountain and to have the right uh, safety attitude mm. in front of the mountain area. I, I think there's what the beauty of, of bivy flying to me is there's, there's so many different levels, isn't there? I mean, in, in Europe, you can, you can uh, drive up to the top and, and launch and fly down to the valley bottom and have a nice sandwich and a coffee and, and, uh, and maybe, you know, hike a little bit or take the gondola up and spend the night on the top of the mountain and fly down the next day. And, and you've done a bivy, you know, you can also cross the Alaska range like I did exactly. and take 37 days, but you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's many different levels. And I, uh, you were, when you were just talking, it, it made me think of an, an analogy. I used to say a lot in my, in my sailing days. And you know, the kite surfing expedition that I that's still going, but we used to have this saying that you know a, a sailboat is safe in harbor, but that is not what sailboats well, that's not what boats are built for. You know, they're built to go 
out and explore the world. And But most people never do. Most people stay in the harbor. And I think with I think the analogy fits there with with bivy flying because it's you know you improve so rapidly because you're suddenly you you're you're assessing everything on your own you're you're flying a, a launch maybe that you don't know anything about or you know it maybe has never even been used or same with LZs uh, you're having to you don't have weather information you're just having to assess and be a pilot you know and just and use the skills that you have yeah. uh, to 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 do something that's just it's what it's what our wings are built for is to travel and and I think it's uh I think I, I I've been trying to be very encouraging to to pilots even low hour pilots because like I said you don't have to it doesn't have to be the X Alps it doesn't have to be Alaska you can do it in there in Annecy is a perfect place <laughs> yeah. to fly you know to have a great weekend bivy and uh, and end up at the lake and have a coffee. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that, that's true. Well, we are more instructor than adventure people like you. That's why um, we just want to um, to teach what we what is possible to teach. Basically, I mean, um, the first thing is uh, we're going to talk uh, with them about how to organize the pack, how to organize one or two days uh, autonomous, like food, water, and all stuff like this, to push them to read uh, the path on maps, uh, just very basic stuff. And there will be enough impress and not enough organized just to follow our um, advices about that. Um, and whatever the, the level, we, we need we need a minimum level. That means uh, they should be quite autonomous on the flying site to take off and land in the easy area. Uh, because in around ANSI, like you know, it's pretty smooth take off we have a big valley there is no risk nothing that's why it helps for us just to introduce bv flying for that and um, the other thing is uh, we would like to to push them to go in the top of the mountains and to teach them just the essential things for camping bivouac flying close mm -hmm. to the the safe area to do not disturb them too much, but you have an idea of what's what's happening when there is uh, when it's a little bit raining, when you have a little bit of moisture in the morning, when you have wind, and uh, just that kind of things. How do you repack in a day? How do you dry stuff? Just easy things. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's great. And so you you kind of reinforce the the skills that they have. And push them a little bit, not too much, but you push them a little bit to to gain more skills. And I I think that what it sounds like is you're really pushing people to be more independent pilots, which is how you learn. Yeah, um, um, the thing is um, for them when they fly on uh, a federation side, they know where they start and they know approximately when they land. When they start to do crash country, they use the film to reach uh, the base. But actually, the adventure seems very different on the Bivik because we will push ahead um, because it's not known by themselves. They'll be scared. Um, that will be interesting, uh, very interesting for them to be coaches by, by, by uh, instructors just to... Um, 
to anticipate a bit more uh, days after days like this. Mm. Great, Fabian. Hey, last question, because I've already taken up so much of your time and it's uh, taken us a few weeks to, <laughs> to be able to <laughs> hammer this out with our poor connection and stuff, but we've got, I've got a good one now. So um, I was just reviewing before we got back on the line, uh, an email I got from Ed Ewing, where uh, one of the, one of the readers of the magazine asked him that he'd, he'd heard about on the mayhem about stalls and how we've had a few acro pilots on the show that, have, there seems to be this magic number of 300 stalls, which is a lot more stalls than most people ever get, um, unless you're an acro pilot or you know a pretty dedicated cross-country pilot and do a lot of SIV. Uh, but that does seem to be kind of the number. And, you know, obviously in your first SIV, you might get to the point where the last day you get a few stalls. But what what do you encourage your, your SIV students and your more serious cross-country pilots to get? Because I, I recently did a survey at a comp I was in down in Mexico where I was, I was giving a talk kind of a safety talk and showing some of the videos that Seiko and Charles have been putting out there in Annecy about uh, SIV and 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 doing acro stalls on on high end gliders on two liners and uh, you know I surveyed the room and these there were a lot of good pilots there and none of them had done 300 well other than me because I I take it pretty seriously but. But uh, what do you recommend and, and what do you do you do you find that that the thinking there from some of the acro guys was that, you know, until you get that many, there's a nervousness that goes along with it. And, you know, once you kind of cross over into 300, it's 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 like doing a lot. It's it just it it doesn't make you nervous. You 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 recognize the moves. It's not hard. It's not scary. It's like breathing. Yeah, well, there is two different parts. I think for one for cross country, one for acro pilots. Um, for cross country to make stalls, basically, and you can do a lot age of uh, hours without you do a nice full stall because you can recover your glider without you do full stall. The full stall for cross country is really a mental things. It's mm. um, to push your mental ahead to say, wow, I'm able in some situation just to put my gliders down and to recover. But honestly, it is not really useful for a cross country pilot. But we know the percentage of technique and uh, the analysis uh, knowledge for flying are much more important than, than a full stall. But the third part, which is the mantle, and is important too, that's the three point um, we just have to uh, to look for to progress. Um, the full store helps on techniques for sure, but it helps also on mantle to to say to the pilot, "Well, it's rough today. Uh, if I have a cravat, I'm able maybe to do that." But to be clear with the cross country pilot, if you just do an SIV course across. Um, 10 full stall, if you have changed to do 10 full stall, it's not enough to recognize the situation on the real moment. Mm. Um, that's why it's it's great for the mantle, for part of your mantle, but it's not really useful on the reality. Um, 
other exercises are much more useful to you know the spin point on the turn to recognize that those kind of things to just to do collapses and rotation to, to have no fear on back pitch uh, to have no fear on rapid exits on your harness because on the rough conditions you can have the fan will push you out on the back pitch and you have to control your your pitch correctly when you when you want to because it's a part of mental but you have to use it every time on rough conditions uh, but the food source for me is not essential at all for 90 percent of the pilots and mm. um, what seiko and shark try to push try to push on the high level standard pilot for me high level standard pilot means it's uh, like World Cup competition or competitors or uh, exalt competitors, um, they should do everything. They should know everything if they want to be in uh, in, in security in where they fly. Mm. Why? Because you fly with a lot of uh, on the gaggle. There's a lot of people. You sometimes not choosing your. Uh, aerology and you can make a mistake like everyone and you can be in trouble and just to be safe and land safely as you can you must master uh, the glider and the different position and shape of your glider you must know that um, and for a race glider a lot of people the security with the Xeno is pushing ahead the pilot to fly with this kind of glider, but they hide completely the behavior when something goes wrong. Mm. And um, that's why when when you're flying in in this part of which is which is maybe ten percent of the people in in the world uh, flying on the D glider or CCC glider, we, we must push them to really really. Be careful and to be trained not only in the in the technical not only in the analysis but also in the mental and technical push ahead like siv quite regularly just to be sure and realize properly when when it goes uh great i'm, I'm glad you i'm glad you uh differentiated that out that's uh that's super valuable yeah and just now for the acro pilots um, for the acro pilot, which is a little bit different, because acro pilot, it's it's different. It's a different spirit. For me, it's gymnastic. Uh, it's um, you are in a box, a training box every time. You're not flying on the, um, you know, over the rocky mount or very rocky area. You just have most of the time a safety box for training, enough height. That's why you preserve your security mainly. Uh, then you're gonna do some maneuvers, and and the full store for us it's one of the base maneuvers because you're supposed to have even on wingovers you know have a little cravat, and if you want to continue the run or continue training, you must be able to open this cravat. Um, on the short gliders with not a lot of wingspan, it's very easy to make an easy full store, and then the second after you can. Uh, sort it out very easily. That's why for the package for um, acro pilots, it's there is two kind of things. First is dynamic, like for sure um, wing overs and movement like rotation for sure, speed rotation, rapid exit. And on the second hand, they must master it very quickly on full stall, basic full stall. And after we have different different type of full stall just to to play with. 
you know. Mm. Um, and for Acropilot, both should be very clear. It should be really natural, at least for much more than a cross-country pilot. Um, the, the wing over should be as natural as the full stall for the Acropilot. Yeah, totally agreed. Fabian, thank you so much. I really do appreciate this. I know you're slammed over there with uh, many, many SIVs, so I'll let you get back to your work. Uh, this has just been incredibly valuable. Uh, lots of learning, lots of advice, lots of great advice. And uh, we'll have the links up for your your Patreon page and your school and anything else. Uh, and so uh, I can't wait till we uh, get in the air again someday. Thanks, baby, and appreciate it. Yeah, I really love it too, to see you again in the air. Why not? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Well, I hope you enjoyed that really cool talk with Fabian. I owe him a lot. That He's been uh, real integral in my own flying and been following him for a long time and in a place that's uh, just world famous for flying. It doesn't get much better than Annecy. So I encourage all of you to go over there and and do some uh, lessons with him, do some SIV with him on the gorgeous Lake Annecy and the teeth, the Le Dance in that whole zone. It's just really, truly amazing. Uh, if you're getting something out of this show, all we ask for and all we ever, have ever asked for is a buck a show. This is a listener-supported podcast, and uh, as you can imagine, it takes us quite a bit of time and energy to put all these together, and we hope you're enjoying it. So think about it like a magazine subscription or a newspaper subscription or something something you value. Uh, there are several ways to support us. On the website, cloudbasedmayhem.com, you'll see the links for just a one-time do- donation through PayPal. Or you can support us on patreon.com forward slash cloud-based mayhem where you can be rewarded for doing so. You kind of set it and forget it and you only pay when content comes out. And then we also now have a store. So we're selling these wicked cool uh, Patagonia or all organic t-shirts uh, with the cloud-based mayhem on the back. They're super nice, really soft, fit really well. We have those men's and women's. And we've got these new trucker hats uh, by Annika Hurden called Recaps. They're all made from recycled materials and they're wicked cool. Every single one is totally individual and unique. Great color schemes. I think you're going to dig them. So you'll find all that also on the website. So if you want some swag and... Uh, want to wear the brand i would be stoked that'd be fantastic i appreciate it and we'll see you on the next show thank you